This is the Passion Lands A Lot of Team podcast, the top producing real estate team from New York City to the Hamptons. We bring you content week in and week out on all things real estate, finance, and lifestyle. Enjoy. We are back. Mike Pesh, it's been a while, my man. A long time. How long exactly? Let's think. I I think... um, the last time we did a podcast was definitely before we sold Clock Tower. Yes, that was in October. So I think I think it was like pan, like pandemic lockdown situation. So there was a, there's so much to catch up on. August or September was probably the last time we did. No, I think it was. I have to think it was before that. July. I don't know. I remember doing pandemic podcasts. So it's been at least, what is that, uh, September, October, November, December, January, February, March. It's been at least like seven, eight, maybe nine months. At least, at least. And a lot has transpired. There's a new president. There's a lot that's happened. You yes. don't realize it. Because every, every day the news cycles are like two days long and then they need something else to talk about. So it's like we're constantly moving in and out of news and changes. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's crazy. So where do you want to start? I don't know. Let's talk about last year, I guess. How did last year end? So we had, we ended our best year ever. Over $50 million in sales. That we did. That we, with three months shut down. Let's not uh, Mm -hmm. toot our own horn here, but uh, that's pretty cool. That was a good year. Um, Reflecting on that year, wow, a lot of great things happened, but I feel like we were just scratching the surface. I mean, yeah, I mean, think about it. We just came over to Berkshire Hathaway last year, beginning of the year. So you cut when you move in real estate, mm-hmm. it's a very daunting thing. You have to basically cut off all of your existing business and listings and everything else. And you basically take with you what's left in contract to which your brokerage is likely going to roll you back mm-hmm. significantly in your mm-hmm. commission and you're starting over. So starting over in a new brokerage is not an easy thing. We did it. We were two months in. We were just starting to get rolling. And then I remember being at an open house in West Islip. What house was that? I know the house you're talking about. I don't remember the address. <clears throat> so I did, an open, I did an open house with Paul. And the owners, it was the, fir- the owners, this is, this is prior to the shutdown. So the shutdown was what, early March? So this must have been mid-February-ish or mm-hmm. late February. We roll up. The owner's like, listen. The day before, he sends me a text message. I want booties, mm-hmm. I want face masks, and I want gloves. Now, this is not like a normal thing at the time. Like no. today, today that's like very, very normal. But yes. back then, now that I'm thinking about it, it was one of the funniest open houses ever because it was extremely busy, and we sold the house that day. Mm-hmm. But people were walking up to the door, taking two steps up the, the stoop, looking in the house and seeing me and Paul wearing masks and turning around and turning around. And really? Yes. But when you think about it today, it's common practice. Well, so. leading up to it, I remember. So we were supposed to go away to Nashville for Berkshire Hathaway yes. home services, their, their annual thing. But I remember, I remember being the one of the, fr- maybe I'm, uh, delusional but i remember being one of the first ones in the office like guys do you see what you see what's going on no, in you China? were you were like they are literally building hospitals yes they got the whole thing locked down like you don't just do that if this is not a big deal like this is going to become a big deal <laughs> right and then sure enough it became a big deal yep 
Yeah. And yeah, that was wild. Um, Dude, I'll never forget the day that you said, Ron, take a look at this. China built a hospital in a day. And I remember like glancing at it and being like, oh, something wild must be happening mm -hmm. in China. On to the next thing. Right. Yeah. Um, Wild. Wild. But now to your point now, I mean, it's like if you you always wear a mask in any house. Right. The booties, the gloves, it's all normal. The COVID disclosure uh, forms are all normal. Um, but just looking back on that past year, right, it is funny. So if you go through, we, we left Elliman, mm -hmm. started Berkshire. We were, we were feeling really good coming out of the gates. January, February, we're doing a, we're going on doing a lot of business, going on a lot of listing appointments. We're like, oh, my God, we're going to crush it this year. And the lockdowns happened. But luckily, we had stuff in contract. So, you know, we continued to have closings through through the lockdowns. In June, we picked up and and it was it was really busy again. And it's kind of been really busy ever since. Mm -hmm. um, and now it's getting to the point, though, where inventory is so tight that there's just not a lot of business to go around. It's actually a really tough market to be a real estate agent in because um, the listings are hard to come by mm -hmm. and buyers are getting frustrated, right? Buyers are, they're having to, to bid for a house in a very competitive market. They're having to bid over ass. They're having to put a lot down. They're having to really agree to a lot of terms a seller would want or just compete against, you know, favorable terms that another buyer has offered. And it really is a tough market to be an agent. So, let, so let's break it down because a lot of people don't understand, right? Most people just think, you know, no, no one thinks into the day-to-day the -day life of what it is to be a real estate agent. And uh, to be a real estate agent, ultimately, you have to be a prospector because you have your sphere of influence, mm -hmm. right? And the trick is finding people just as they are about to buy or sell real estate. Mm -hmm. Now, most people in a lifetime trade real estate once, twice, three times, correct? So how do you, as a real estate agent, find the people that are highly likely to buy or sell? Well, there's a few buckets that we reach into mm -hmm. as realtors, especially a new realtor who isn't working off of referrals uh, and their sphere of influence, right? So a new real estate agent is, and there's a lot of people on our team, they're, they're calling FISBOs, they're calling expireds, um, they are calling website leads, some kind of paid lead, some kind of outbound marketing effort, right? But in today's world, with no inventory out there, there's nothing to work with. So as a realtor, when you're calling expireds, right, in a balanced real estate market, there's a healthy amount of expireds that come off the market every day. Uh, and there's certain days of the year, like January 1st or um, you know, I think July 1st is another big day where there's just a mountain of expired leads and these are all listings that intended to sell but for whatever one reason or another did not. Um, and you as a real estate agent get on the phone, you call them, you go door knock their house and you get in there and you get the listing, right? Well, in today's world, there's really no expired listings. There's a handful and the ones that are expiring are really, really bad homes with serious problems that can't be sold. The seller is extremely, uh, their expectation of what they're going to get on the house is way over the mark, right? So that bucket is a difficult bucket to reach into. Second bucket would be FISBOs, right? For sale by owners. Mm -hmm. For sale by owners are selling at, at rates that 
you know, we've never seen before, you know, because there is no inventory. So even a for sale by owners listing their house, and they have a line at the door, right? Uh, and then there's outbound marketing efforts, right? Well, if the market's very tight and not a lot of people are looking to go, um, how, what does that look like for a new real estate agent? So there was an article the other day in the Wall Street Journal that you yep. pointed out uh, that there are more listings no, I'm sorry, less, more licensed real estate agents in the country than there are active listings. Right. Which is nuts. Now, here on Long Island, we have two months of, of inventory in Nassau and Suffolk County, roughly. You're a new real estate agent today. Mm -hmm. What are you doing to actually jumpstart a business? Well, it's all the stuff you just talked about. I mean, you have to be, you have, it comes down to prospecting. Like yep. you said, you have yep. to be on the phones prospecting. So you have to be calling your uh, sphere of influence, right? Asking for referrals. You have to be calling expireds. You have to be calling FISBOs. You have to be calling neighborhoods, mm -hmm. right? We call it circle prospecting, trying to figure out if anyone in that neighborhood might be willing to buy or sell. And it just comes down. It's as simple as that, prospecting. Yep. Don't to overcomplicate it. So what do you say to the person who thinks that, uh, you know, they're just going to get their license in real estate and sell a few houses? <laughs> <laughs> give, me, give me a call in three months. Let me know how that's exactly, going. So it's exactly. like I saw an interesting quote uh, on Twitter the other day. It was something like, you could be the best attorney in the world or you can have the best skill set in any, in any profession in the world. Okay, great. Now learn sales and marketing to go build the business. Yes. It's the yes. same thing, right? Just because just you have that license yep. does not mean you're going to help people and, and obtain clients to buy and sell homes. Mm -hmm. You got to go get those clients now. Yep. Well, I, I mean, listen, we, I've, I, it's funny you say that, right? The whole lawyer thing and, and anyone who's got to go out there and learn sales and, and marketing. But the reality of the situation is how many lawyers do we know, Right. I came across a lawyer the other day, and this guy is not, he doesn't come from wealth. Mm -hmm. And I met him at his house to talk to him about selling his house. And the house is the most incredible home I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. He's also a really young guy, and he's a criminal defense lawyer. Mm -hmm. And I haven't gotten into it with him yet because, you know, we haven't gotten a listing yet, but we will. But that's a perfect example, right? Here's a guy. I, I, I know I have friends that are lawyers. I have, I mean, I, I know countless amount of lawyers out there. I've dealt with count, countless amount of lawyers in this industry. It's a litigious industry. But then you come across that one guy. And there's a few of them out there. You just don't know him. But he's got the same law degree, right? Maybe even went to the same schools. I know mm -hmm. he went to, I know what university he went to is a SUNY school. Mm -hmm. Nothing crazy. But here he is out there in the world in a $10 million home, mm -hmm. well, a house that costs $10 million to build, right? How, how, how is there such a disparity? You have to ask yourself. It's just, it, it, that, that's, I guess, the difference. That's, that's the difference in between, you know, the, the average Joe mm -hmm. and the people who are great. Well, it's the same thing. We came from a medical device sales background, right? How many doctors did you used to see who are just, yep. they're, they're not, they're not rich. You know, they're making just enough money to pay off their student loans and their mortgage. And then you have other doctors mm -hmm. who, you know, have built these, these huge empires and they're going to have generations of wealth. It's, it's the same with anything. Um, it's, you have the degree, the law degree, the medical degree, the real estate license, that's step one, but then building a business is step two. 
And that's that's really hard. And what I don't I forget the exact numbers was 30 or 50 percent of all businesses fail in the first, you know, in the first five years or something. It's the mm-hmm. same thing with real estate. Real, as a real estate agent, you're starting your own business. So the, whatever the stat is, 30 to 50 percent of those people are going to fail at building a business. So now we're in this tight, 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 tight market. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the difficulty working with buyers? So the difficulty working with buyers is, listen, any bu- so again, if we're talking about building a business, it's prospecting, which means you're not you're not just doing. It's impossible early on to do business with just people you know, with just just referrals or family or friends, right? You can't. Maybe you have one or two deals like that, and even those people who who are referred to you or who are close to you, they're going to get frustrated in the current marketplace because mm-hmm. it's competitive, right? So they might lose a few houses. Um, they might have to pay more than they want to, whatever it is. But now you talk about building a business. Okay, now it's going out and finding people to help. These are now people you don't know. Mm-hmm. You're trying to build a relationship with them mm-hmm. over the course of the deal. So now you have people that you really don't have a relationship with that are experiencing this market with you. Mm-hmm. And it's tough because it's very hard to balance their the right advice and well and their emotions and just their outlook on things and have them not take it out on you mm-hmm. right because they don't know they're they looking get frustrated to you. yeah oh, they're yeah. looking to you like hey you got to help me buy this house right but ultimately it's a competitive market and you can only do you could do a lot but if there's another guy, buyer who's coming in all cash fifty thousand dollars over the asking price well if you don't have all cash then then it's really tough mm-hmm. so you would say that this is all pandemic driven so it's, yes, it, what I'm starting to look at is it's all supply demand driven and the pandemic has caused that shortage of supply on Long mm-hmm. Island at least. Well, there's, there's low supply nationwide, but on Long Island specifically, there is very low supply, but there is also on the flip side, high buyer demand because obviously we have New York City and you have an exodus from the city. Mm-hmm. So that the pandemic has cl- caused that supply demand dynamic, which is now driving this market. Gotcha. You don't think it has anything to do with interest rates piled on that? Well, that helps. Mm-hmm. Now you have historically low interest rates, um, so buyers have a lot more buying power. So they can they can put more towards the principal, right? Um, a lot of people, you know, are willing to pay a little bit more because of that. But I think the primary factor is is the supply demand. So now, how does it? What does it ever? Does it stop? I mean, what? Where? Where are we today? Uh, what do you What do you see in the next six to twelve months when it comes to real estate? And why? So if you look at the data, um, right now you see it in the luxury market. So we look at median sales price uh, year over year. So median sales price for February 2021 compared to February 2020. If you look at the luxury market, so houses over a million and then houses over two million as well. Mm -hmm. In Nassau and Suffolk, it shows that the year over year sales price peaked in like November, December. And then Mm -hmm. January, February started coming down. So I don't remember the exact stats, but you might have seen a 10% increase in median sales price for houses over a million dollars in Nassau County in November and December. And then for that same subset of the market, million dollars or more, Nassau County, January might've been like 8%, February 5% increase year over year. So we're still still at a higher sales price year over year, but it's starting to come down. Mm -hmm. I think the same thing is gonna happen with the rest of the market. This spring, if we haven't already peaked, I think we're gonna peak this spring because really inventory levels can't get any lower, buyer demand can't get any higher, rates can't get any lower, we talked about rates, right? 
So as inventory starts to rise, as buyer demand, which again, it's still going to be very low levels of inventory comparatively to, to history, but as inventory levels slowly rise, as buyer demand slowly levels off, as rates tick up, which again, it'll be historically low interest rates as is, but as all of that kind of sways in the other direction just a little bit, I do think we're going to start to see the market cool off. And I want to be very careful when I say that because I'm not saying the market's going to crash, prices are going to plummet. It's still going to be the same the same market dynamics, a strong seller's market, I think. But prices are going to level off, especially in Nassau with the tax situation, which no one realizes yet. Walk us through that. All right. So th- this is like, I was actually explaining this to my dad over Easter on <laughs> Sunday because no one knows what's going on. It's almost criminal, right? So in Nassau County, they did a reassessment of taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they reassessed the whole county, which, which probably should have been done. It's, it hasn't been done in like a decade. So it was done, right? So people's taxes, your, your property taxes are, they arrive at that number by multiplying your assessed value mm-hmm. times the tax rate divided by 100. So whatever the tax rate is, divide that by 100, multiply that by your assessed value. That's your tax and number. And all, the, all these numbers are on my Nassau property, correct? My Nassau, for Nassau County, yes, you can go to my Nassau property. So what people grieve every year is the assessed value. They grieve that number, right? So they feel good. They grieve it. They get a reduction. What they don't realize, I live in Massapequa. What the county did with the tax rate, which is the other half of that number, which the county has complete autonomy over, which no one can do anything about, in in Massapequa, the tax rate went up by 150%. So the other half of the equation went up by 150%. So it doesn't matter what you did with your grievance. But also, it's, so that's criminal criminality number one. The second thing is the grievances for last year are all out the window because there was a reassessment. So you have all these people paying, you know, Maidenbaum, all, the, all these firms. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're not even- they're not To even grieve their taxes. And like, oh, Maidenbaum, they grieved my taxes. No, no, the county reassessed you. And then they put a five-year phase-in in place. So now what you're seeing, if you're on my national property, you'll see the assessed value 500. But then the number they're using to calculate your taxes is like 250. It's, a, it's 50% of that assessed value because they're going to slowly, over the next five years, phase in the new assessed value. Yep. So it's going to go up. So your assessed value is going to go up over the next five years, right? As well as that tax rate. They're saying they're going to lower it to even things out, but we all know that's unlikely no, to happen. Zero chance. Once they start collecting money, that's it. So they that was a very quick synopsis of what's going on, but but that coupled with just things getting back to normal, mm-hmm. I do think prices. So you are think peak. you think you think higher taxes is what's going to put you know halt the market a little bit. In Nassau, I, I coupled with the supply de- demand dynamics I mentioned, coupled with we're no longer at a two and a half percent interest rate. No, yeah, it's still it's still historically a three percent mortgage rate, three and a quarter, three point five. But yeah, that's a little higher. So, what do you think about people who just refinanced because there was a refinance frenzy, and they refinanced their house to like two point five percent, and in a year from now. You know, the if interest rates are at three, five to four, mm-hmm. let's say, what do you think is going to happen to people's motive to sell when they're sitting on a house that they're paying two and a half percent interest on? Or, mean, will, or will that house not transact and rather they'll buy another house and maybe rent that one out? I guess it's impossible to tell. I mean, you make a good point in that if someone's got... So first of all, if you refi, you probably have no no um, 
no thought of selling within the next 12 months at least. Mm-hmm. No one refis and then sells within the next 12 months unless you know something totally unexpected happened. That's right. such a life change they have to. So so most of those people are going to stay for at least 12 months. And and I think I think you usually, depending on the exact situation, usually the refi you'll have pay, uh, paid off the cost of it, like just the closing costs within that 12-month period. So yeah. after 12 months, if you want to sell, from a financial standpoint, it's probably fine. You know, it's not like, it's not like you paid for the refi for no reason. Um, but I don't know. I mean, we always say, listen, we always say people move because of a life event. See, that's that's what I'm trying to figure out, right? Is Is will the life event be changed because they're sitting in a home that has a loan on it that is free money? Depends. Right? That will that, I mean, listen, I, 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 people don't make all their decisions based on finances, but I mean, to hold something like a house at two and a half percent interest and rent it out, it's it's a home run. I don't I don't see how too many people are going to be very excited about selling an asset like that, unless taxes scare them off and they end up going to Florida or something like that, which we're seeing a lot of. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's the other side of the coin is now uh, there's a limit on the salt cap. The salt uh, there's a cap on the salt deductions, but yep. they may do away with that. So that that could that would help that could sway things in the other direction a little bit. Yeah, because then now real estate becomes a good place to park money and deduct mm-hmm. taxes and get another deduction out of it in a nicer neighborhood, which when that salt cap initially came out, that was a killer for Long Island in general. Um, it's going to be interesting, man. I mean, and then there's building supplies are through the roof right now, you know, and there's, there's not enough on the market. There's a housing, a housing shortage throughout the entire country, right? So if we've got, if, if building materials are through the roof, our builders going to build. And if they build, how much more do they have to charge because their materials are double what they were? Well, that's a good question. A lot of builders might be getting shot. I mean, there, there's obviously a lot of a lot of companies and a lot of builders going full steam ahead. But we've encountered more in the luxury market builders who are not able to recoup their cost. The, the cost of the land plus the build is more than current market value. Yeah. So I do think you're going to have some builders start to start to get a little wary. Oh, yeah. And pull it's, back. Is it enough to to impact the market? I don't know. Because for every one of them, there may be another builder who's who's either naive or just has a more positive outlook. It's it's honestly one of the most precarious times that has to have ever existed in real estate when you really dissect it and peel back the onion, right? You've got materials through the roof. Builders are afraid to build. You've got uh, the Laura Curran Nassau County uh, uh, property tax hikes. You've got uh, the mortgage moratorium, which we haven't even discussed, mm-hmm. right? I mean, uh, there was that that article back in September. It said there was seventy thousand houses on the island that um, were were in mortgage forbearance at the time, right? When, at what point does that chicken come home to roost, and what happens then? You have the government printing stimulus package after stimulus package after stimulus package. Do we see inflation? What does that do to housing prices? Housing houses are assets, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a fundamental truth that when we see inflation, housing prices go up. Uh, I mean, I, I could go on and on and on. And then, you know, one thing I can tell you is we're starting to see a little bit of a return back to normal. Um, going on listing appointments now, people are showing up to people's houses. They're not wearing masks was on one this morning mm-hmm. no masks 
was on one last week. No mask. Where people people start with the mask and they go, I'm vaccinated. Can I take this off? I said, yeah, it's fine. No problem. Mm -hmm. But that's becoming a thing now, right? So we went from... We went from one year ago today, open houses, people running away from me, to listing appointments were only with masks on, standing six feet apart outside. Sometimes they wouldn't even let us in the house. To then, now we're back in people's houses and they're not wearing masks. Right. And there's a pickup in um, real estate sales in Manhattan, from what I understand. I don't know about on the commercial side. I think the commercial side is hurting a little bit. Uh, But... Maybe that city life comes back a little bit, and that New York City buyer wants to return back to Manhattan. Um, well, to that point, let's just take a quick because you sent me an article this morning that was in the Post. It was also in the Wall Street Journal. How in New York State they're finalizing a plan to increase taxes specifically mm-hmm. for the wealthy people making over a million dollars a year or five million. Ta- so, which to me is like, how stupid can government be? Because you have a situation right because of the pandemic, a lot of people left the city. They're, they're temporarily set up shop in, I mean, we know people who are temporarily setting up shop in Florida, upstate New York, mm-hmm. all over the place, right? And just as now you're going to start getting back to normal and opening things up, all these people who have already set themselves up to live for the past year or so in another location, you're saying, hey, when you come back, oh, taxes, we're raising the taxes on you. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of them are just going to be like, well, it's... I'll just stay. It's not like they have to go through the hassle of I'm here and now I have to uproot my life and leave. It's that's happened. They're where they're they where they are. They're kind of mm-hmm. settled in. Mm-hmm. So I do think I mean, what do you think? Most people are gonna stay, I would think. I think it is such a tough thing to answer. Um look, all, all I could tell you is this. I have people in my family, my own family, who are very, very much on the left. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I need to get the fuck out of New York. Right. I want to go to Florida. I want to go to Florida. I want to go to Florida for one reason or another. Um, now, I think Florida is s- something in their imagination that maybe it's not actually what they think it is. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense? Because, you know, going somewhere and visiting is very different than living. But, I mean, I, I all my young friends that don't have any ties or reason to stay or children, they're all headed out. Uh, I have friends who have been in New York their entire life and their businesses, not their business, but their job Mm -hmm. in Manhattan is relocating down to Florida. And if they don't follow, they don't have a job. So they're going. Right. You know, Um, but I think, I think, you're going to see a lot of young people leave. I don't think you're going to see anyone who's rooted here for one reason or another go. But I was reading, what is it? In New York, I don't know if it's New York or New York City, I forget what it said, but 5%, so the top 5% of income earners pay 60% of the taxes, right? And now you have a situation with, with what they're proposing if you live in New York City and you're in the top income tax bracket between the uh, state and city taxes, you're going to be paying like 15 point something percent taxes. And then you add in the federal top income tax bracket of 37 or 38 percent. So if you're if you're living in New York City and you're in top income tax bracket, you're paying over. You're paying like 52 percent of your entire income is going to taxes. So you're taking home less than half. So let's talk about that. You said the top. And that's 60 percent. You, you said the top 5 percent of earners, right? Right. 
So in the f- in the f- top five percent of earners, there is a wild disparity mm-hmm. between the the tippy tippy top of that five percent and the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're making two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on Long Island or three hundred thousand dollars, you're probably at top one percent. But then there's like that one tenth of one percent mm-hmm. that has real wealth. Those people. Those people are are national or global to a certain extent, mm-hmm. right? They have multiple homes. The tax system for that group of people is a game, mm-hmm. and they have an army of tax accountants, uh, lawyers, and people who interpret new laws that come mm-hmm. out, and they basically navigate those incentives, and they avoid them. So no matter what you throw at those people, it's the same reason Donald Trump pays no taxes, or you know, you, you hear about these billionaires paid no taxes. Mm-hmm. It's not entire. Listen, they themselves may not be paying taxes, but the reality of the situation is, is someone like a Jeff Bezos, which I don't even know what his tax bill looks like or what he's paid, but but the bottom line is, a Jeff Bezos, the reason the tax code exists is because he employs mm-hmm. tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people mm-hmm. that pay tax. So I wonder if he can, like, like for a guy, a like, guy, that, like, guy like that, can Bezos. you live in New York? And it doesn't even matter where you live. Can he be like, yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to live in New York you gotta because understand. I'm still working in he's other got, ways. He's got a, someone like a Bezos or mm-hmm. some, uh, someone who has someone. I would, okay, anyone who's worth $100 million or mm-hmm. more, you could throw whatever you want at mm-hmm. them. They're going, they're, they're sophisticated and they have sophisticated teams behind them. Mm-hmm that are going to reorganize their affairs mm-hmm. such that they will pay the least amount of money possible. But what about... In all scenarios. Right. And that it might even be $50 million or more, people mm-hmm. with a $50 million net worth or more. But then there's the average Joe, the guy who's making... And listen, I know that if you listen to this in the middle of the country, this is like wild to you. But if you make $250,000, $300,000 on Long Island as a family income... You're like you're not living large. Not living large. No. No, not whatsoever. So that's also lumped into the 1% though. So when they talk about the top 5%, those people don't leave. The 300,000, the 400,000, the $500,000 people, they're not leaving the island. And based on what you're saying, you could argue, I don't know, but you could argue the the, the Bezos level people, they're not leaving either because they don't they have that whole team working the system, so it doesn't matter where they live. Those are the people that, if America ever got bad enough, they would uproot and go to another country. What's What's going to hurt New York City, in my opinion, is it's all the finance and tech people who are making 500000 to $5 million a year. Those are all the people that yeah. don't have the accounting department to to navigate it, and they could save a substantial portion of their income by moving to a place yes, like Florida. and that's going to happen. Think of, you know, what's also interesting is think of all the commercial space in Manhattan mm-hmm. that is no longer going to be used as mm-hmm. commercial space. So prior to, prior to the pandemic, Manhattan was already overbuilt and it was struggling. It was, a, it was not a good market. Residential. Yeah. Residential. There was tons of new development that was sitting empty and there was a ton of shadow inventory that the developers were keeping off the market Mm -hmm. and they release as the building sells out. Then the pandemic hits and everyone leaves New York. Now 
people, I think what they're doing is since I think it's like the past four or five months, you've been seeing a lot of opportunity buys, people buying things, you know, 25, 30% off Mm -hmm. what they were pre-pandemic. But all this commercial space that's not going to be used moving forward is going to convert to residential or low-income housing. Well, residential, I mean, yeah, you need people, even if it's residential, people have to, you have to have the people to live there. Yeah. But it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. I wouldn't touch Manhattan with a 10-foot pole right well, now. And forget about the tax dollars, right? If you just, Again, I mentioned all these people making 500000 to $5 million. Forget about taxes. They're not there living. They're not there buying their morning coffee, going out to lunch, going out to dinner, having a drink with friends. I mean, you just don't have the commerce nope. that you used to have. So the city is not collecting the tax revenue they need to, which is what, why they're talking about raising taxes. Let me ask you this. What do you think is going to happen with New York City tourism? Because tourism was a big part of New York City. Do you think that bounces back? Well, international tourism, I would, okay, so if you took tourism in general, right? Or this time next year, what do you think? If you took tourism in mm-hmm. general to New York City, how much of that tourism would you say is international tourism versus domestic? I have no idea. 50-50? I'm least, just guessing. I don't at know. least 50 It might even be more heavily weighted towards international because right. international people would use Manhattan as a safety deposit box, the wealthy people of the world, mm-hmm. right? They'd come in and drop their money into New York City real estate. So does that stop? I don't know. Uh, d- 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 people coming and transacting is going to, it has been at a halt. I mean, LA has got problems. It's not just New York. It's, it's all these big, you know, blue cities that are in trouble. I mean, what do you think? You saw Joe Rogan left, right? You know, a lot of there's bums apparently all over LA. They've taken over. It's a disaster. You think this is good for, right? So we lump New York in as, you know, you think New York, Florida right now, from a tax standpoint and a freedom standpoint, it's much nicer to be in Florida, right? But this, you could make the argument that this is actually good for Long Island because people who are paying the city tax and who can't enjoy the city anymore, maybe they still they still want to be in this in this geography for one reason or another. So, so do you think it's good for Long Island and Long Island so, real estate? So or, far or? to this point, it's obviously been great because people are selling houses at high numbers, but is it good for for everybody as a whole i mean the, you have to we're we're in a we're in a position in this country where if we're not printing a stimulus package what happens mm-hmm. we don't even know yet it might be like when you tried raising rates like what was it 2019 end of 2019 december 2019 rates started ticking up a little bit and the market started market crashing started tank. so so Could our, be so the point is is are we as a country in a good position or have we just for, on an economic level not seen any adversity? And if we do see adversity, you have a reaction like what you just talked about in 2019 when the stock market was crashing right around in the winter. It was happening right. in the winter leading up to the end of the year there. and then I know because that's when I bought I, I bought my house in September of 2000. I might have been 2018 or 2019. I forget. But I bought my house right around then. And I paid at the time. I, my my mortgage rate was four and a half percent because that's, I mean, it's what it was. Yeah, that's you know? what you paid, and yeah. that was a good rate. No, it's still a historically very low rate, but it was a high. I mean, you say that right now, that's like crazy. Well, I think what's going to happen is is 
what we once saw, at least until this quote-unquote bubble bursts, mm -hmm. I think what you're going to see is it's going to get very... There's going to be like these microminal differences that make a big difference moving forward. Mm -hmm. Like, I think, like right now we're at interest rates of three and a quarter ballpark for a 30-year mortgage. Mm -hmm. I think if you see that go to four, it's going to be a problem. I think if the Fed hikes rates, it's a problem. I think I think every little movement in every direction is what's going to matter. It's going to get small, smaller differences mm -hmm. are going to make a bigger difference in the near future. Yeah. That's my opinion. Not certainly possible. But I mean, there's just th there's so much happening. It's it's a it's one big What is your general outlook for the next 12 months on just the economy in general? Positive, negative? See, I'm so I'm so um I'm so conflicted about it because it's like we can't we we have to print money mm -hmm. to stay afloat. That's not a good sign. Mhm. Mm there's people who aren't paying their mortgage that haven't gotten evicted yet mm -hmm. in a year. That's not a good sign. That, like, everyone's getting a free ride. Everything to me is very artificial right now. Right, but I so I think now can, can they can they can they land that artificial plane and just coast into normalcy somehow? That would be incredible. Or do you need to see some catastrophic pullback in all the markets mm -hmm. in order to return back to some form of normalcy where landlords all of a sudden get paid again. Uh, more, uh, you know, People are paying their mortgages. People are saving money. People are spending money. Well, that's part of, they're saying, part of the increase in taxes in New York um, are going to go towards, I think it's tenants that are behind on rent. Right, so you're but does that make sense? So now, so the taxpayers are bailing out. Taxpayers are footing the bill for the, and I guarantee you, a large number of those renters mm -hmm. are taking advantage rather than actually needing this. Right, so is that right? Because in the end, no, you're not, not. In the end, your 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 federal taxes are just going to go up. Everyone's federal taxes are going to go up. Well, that's it's that's why Biden's announcing. Tax hikes. Well, that's what no one understands. Is this all this all this money being printed? All these bailouts, all these uh, eviction moratoriums. Uh, you can't can't kick out a tenant. It does all have to get paid for, at some point, and get paid and for through taxes or through borrowing. That's what I'm interested in seeing. Uh, there's I've actually heard another new theory. is very interesting. I, I haven't talked to you about this yet, but a lot of people think we're going to have a lost decade. Now. There was at one point, I think it was after the dot-com bubble, mm -hmm. there was what they called a lost decade, meaning the dot-com bubble boomed, the market hit certain heights, then it crashed, mm -hmm. and then that next 10 years was what they mm -hmm. called a lost decade. Like if you just left your money in the market for 10 years, you got back to zero. Mm -hmm. So your 10-year your return in the market mm -hmm. was zero. A lot of people think that, that that if we end up in a good position, that's the kind of position we end up in. Well, I think for the next... Which I think would be better than a dramatic pullback. It's certainly possible. I think for the next 12 months, we see the economy just, just skyrocket. I think the market's... Because you have, one, we're printing all this money. Two, 
we're ending the lockdown. So you have people getting back to life. They've been spending all this money that they're either being given or, I mean, most people just saved a ton of money, right? You weren't going on vacation. You weren't eating out. You weren't going out to lunch. You were just at home. So they have all this money that they've been sitting on. So I do think we're going to, things are going to continue to rise mm. for the, for the near future. But after that, yes, the bill's going to come due at some point. You have to pay for all these programs. You know what? I'm, you know what I think might also have somewhat of an effect, although it's already April fifth. I think you're gonna. I, th- I think it's possible we see a huge that huge rush of inventory to market that we expected after the shutdown last mm-hmm. year. I think it may happen at the. the it might ha- might ha- might happen this spring. Right. Because everyone's vaccinated. So, and why do I say that? Because I say that because every listing appointment I'm going in, all of a sudden everyone's taking their mask off. Right. So now if they're taking their mask off, they're comfortable. If they're comfortable, they're okay letting people in the house. Right. If they're okay letting people in the house and they're one of many to get vaccinated, and this is something that I'm seeing over and Mm -hmm. over and over again, maybe there's a huge rush of inventory to market and a healthy rush of people who actually want to sell their home. It but makes how fast, sense. How fast can the buyers gobble that up, right? It is going to get gobbled up, but yeah, it depends on how much uh, inventory hits the market. But yes, it makes sense. The pandemic, COVID is what caused inventory to shoot to historic lows. Mm-hmm. As COVID gets further and further into the rearview mirror, it would only be logical that, well, if that's what caused inventory to be so low and that's no longer a factor, inventory starts to rise again. Obviously, it's more complex than that. But but yes, I'd be optimistic that the that the real estate market starts to balance out from a supply demand standpoint. Yeah, it has to. Do you think people keep going down to Florida? Oh yeah, definitely. I I, we, I mean you know we talk to people all the time. They're done with New York. They're going to Florida. Mm-hmm. Yes, but what is there? Twenty million people in New York. Mm-hmm. So listen, is New York going to be at a net population loss for the foreseeable future? Probably. Is it going to lose all 20 million residents and just become like no. a barren wasteland? No, no right? No. Um, and, and listen, it's people get fed up, right? So right now you have, you know, uh, political leaders in New York who are making these decisions and people are leaving. And, the, and a lot of people that are staying are saying, well, the next chance I get to vote, mm. I'm voting these people out because I don't like it. You know, so it's we'll, we'll have to see what happens. But I'm optimistic that, you know, um, see, I'm worried that like the Florida's are going to turn blue and the Texas is going to turn blue. Well, Texas, I think like Texas is getting Texas is getting everything from California. Like Austin's a very liberal city. And everyone from California that's leaving California is going there and they're voting for the same the same well, that's what I'm policies that they just left. That's what I'm saying. Do these people leave and vote the same policies or do they learn and change? That's the question. It's it's interesting times we're living in. I'm sure, though, if you went back into like history, this is because uh, uh, history repeats itself. I'm sure this has all happened at one point in the past. We're just not smart enough and or pay attention. It's like the Ray Dalio thing. You yeah, it, it's it's 100 percent the case, 100 percent. But right now, as it stands, I mean, with real estate on Long Island, it's slim pickings. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, we're doing just we're doing just fine, just fine. And when this market loosened up, I think we'd do a lot more. I think a lot of people would do a lot more. But then, you know, you'd have – I think you're going to see a lot of agents not renew their license because it's just so difficult. Yes. I think that's the next thing. We'll see. Interesting, though. How long has it been? 
45 minutes. All right. So what else has transpired since it's been nine months or whatever since we've done uh, the podcast? Uh, there's a new president. Mm-hmm. We talked about, we didn't even talk about that. Do you think Biden's going to be pro-real estate or not as pro-real estate as a Trump would have been? I don't know. I mean, listen, Trump put the cap on the salt deduction, right? That was very... Anti, that, was, that was anti-blue state right. real estate. Right. So if, so if a Biden administration does away with that, that's good for real estate. I mean, I guess being in New York, the Biden administration could be good for New York. I... I, I I'm hoping that well from <laughs> yeah from yeah. that one standpoint anyway go ahead yeah no from that one standpoint I'm hoping that that it is good I, I I hope I hope he reinstates the salt deduction I hope he gets it back down to ten thousand uh, and you could I'm sorry you could deduct everything above ten thousand right. like we like you want it, it was unlimited at one time um. It, the the bailout packages to the cities will be good for us because i mean i it never had to be that way but mm. the bailout packages will be good because you could clean the city up a little bit right if if it works like like in um in theory how it's supposed to when it jump starts things then it's fine right then then whatever bill becomes due later was worth it the problem with the city not being the city as they say although i don't think you're ever going to be able to to i don't think it, new york city ever falls is my um, but then I again but then again <laughs> okay I, I say that but i was i was listening to a patrick bet david podcast where he talks about detroit and detroit at one time might have been bigger than new york mm-hmm. okay as the car manufacturing capital of the world. Right. And in Detroit, they did a lot of the same things that New York is doing now. They're overtaxing people. Crime took over. The the wealthy left. Mm-hmm. They reallocated their their you know, the, their affairs in life. And today Detroit is in bad shape, from what I understand. And according to that podcast that I was listening to. Can that happen to a place like New York? Yeah, I don't know. They, you're talking about, has this ever happened in history? Think about, you ever thought but, like but, the Roman Empire, yeah. the Greek Empire? Like you ever think, say, oh, we could fall? Yeah, it's possible. Everything comes to but an he, end. Here's the thing. New York City is the reason all of its surrounding counties and boroughs are wealthy. Right. No New York City. Well, that was because all of the business was in New York City. But now now technology has changed that. Now you could have finance guys. You can have tech guys but does that working spread? from... The point is, does that leave this area? So in other words, if you are a wealthy tech guy, mm-hmm. and at one time you would have had to commute to the city and live in the burbs somewhere, whether mm-hmm. it be Bergen County, New Jersey, Nassau County, Long Island, mm-hmm. Greenwich, Connecticut, whatever... Now you don't have to be there. Now you could be on the beach in Florida if you want to be. Or you could be in the mountains of, I don't fucking know, upstate New York. Or you could be anywhere else in the country. I don't see. Does that change? Because now, because now, does that, and how does that affect real estate? Because part of the reason real estate here is so expensive is mm-hmm. because there's so much, this, it, it's the density of the area, it's an island. 
it's not there's only so much space it's sort of finite right mm-hmm. now you could continue to go east but the people who are going to the city in the sands point the great necks um and Hassett's, right mm-hmm. very finite very finite amount of room and it's big money going back and forth so now if those people don't need to be there anymore and their kids could go to mm-hmm. a school in texas I think people are still I, that city lifestyle is still very attractive. Just the the energy, you know, stuff open. You could do, you could, you have unlimited options. I was talking to a real estate agent in Montana last week, actually. Why? <laughs> Don't even get me into it. Um, Why? So my father. This all right. Let's tell you a quick side story. So my father-in-law, mm. he's retired, um, and and you know he he basically full time just messes around with his four hundred one k and investments. So he's Dogecoin. Every, everything from that to like real real stuff too <laughs> but uh so he he told my wife that you and i don't know the exact details of it but basically you can take your 401k you can move it into a sep ira and you can take the money out of the sep ira and invest it into real estate whether it be land or building or anything mm-hmm. uh as long as it's an investment vehicle so as long as you don't live there you don't use it as a second home if it's just a straight investment, whether it be a rental or just land or whatever, you can use your 401k money essentially to do that. So my wife's like, well, I want to buy land in Montana. I think I think that's going to be huge. Like that that part of the country, that lifestyle, you know, like Jackson Hole, Wyoming is a billionaire's playground. Like yep. Tons of people with money are moving there. So that's always been that way, though. I think Jackson Hole. I've, I've heard. Right. But even Montana, there's a lot of wealth now moving to like Wyoming, Montana, areas like that. Um, I think for a lot of reasons. One, political. Two, just to have land and space and, you know, be a little secluded. Like if shit, I mean, just if shit hits the fan, like in a city, like to have a place to go, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and then it's just beautiful too. So if you have the money, I mean, just to be able to get away like a place like that, uh, you know, it's unbelievable. Um, you talk about you love mountain views and stuff. Yeah, I want Arizona, though. So anyway, so that's why. So my wife found a piece of land. So and she, now she's got her own 401k. So mm-hmm. with like our finances at home, the only reason she can't go crazy is because stuff's in either both our names or my name. Like she can't just pull you the trigger. You have some say. Right. With but that, not with this. It's her 401k <laughs> from when she worked. She worked, you know, from college for whatever, a decade. She's got her own 401k. It's in her name. She can move it to a SEP IRA and she could go by land in Montana. And if you know Sam well enough, you know that she'll do it. She'll just go ahead and fucking do it. Like it will be like, doesn't matter what anyone says. She could, she will and she can. So did she buy some dirt in Wyoming? So she found this land in Montana and I was like, so I I got a a Berkshire Hathaway agent I got in touch with just to like figure out the deal. Yeah, I'm like, well, if, if she's going to do it, I, the least I could do is like try and make sure it's... So I was talking to her, but but the reason this gets back to the conversation we're having is she was telling me, she's like, me and my sons visited New York and we loved it. And she's like, I can't wait to go back. I was like, really? She's like, it's just... She's like, life here is great. You know, I'm not saying that, but she's like, it just gets boring. Like it's that, you know, it's just, you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. There's only so much to do. Like it's boring. Like like we want to go back. Like we yearn for that almost. So well, I don't know. I think, dude. I'll tell you what. With this whole lockdown situation, like I, I want to get off the island. I want to go travel. It's like you don't. <laughs> it's like you don't know what you got till you lost it. Right. Like like for me, I want to. I just need to get away. I want. I want to go somewhere different and like just stare at like a tropical 
sea and sand right, for but, a week. Right, a week, and then you got to come back. But all the people moving, right, moving from the city, it's kind of like this, Not it's not knee-jerk reaction, but it's this, you know, you're doing it for a reason. But then once you're in Florida or wherever you're at, even though Florida might, you know, right now you have freedoms you don't have in New York. and Carolinas are nice too. Right, but it's how long can you be there before you're like, I miss the city. I miss that energy because it's not the same. It's not. You can't go to Broadway you know, you and a five-star restaurant. And well, are they even open? Is Broadway even open? That's what I'm that? saying. Right now it's not. But do you start to miss that at a certain point? I mean, I've never missed a play in my life, to be honest but the with people, you. But know, the people who live in the city. I know, I yeah. know, I know. But – I think, I think the best life is snow uh, snowboarding. Right. I think it's the best life. Yeah, if you if with kids though, it's impossible. But if you don't have kids, when you're young, when you get a little older, I mean, at what point? When you're when your last kid's like twenty, you could go. Yeah, once your kids are done with sports and stuff, and yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. I see the appeal in that. Yeah. So looking forward into this year, first of all, we're going to make more of a commitment to this. Yeah. Once a week. It's on the calendar. Nice little studio here, a little lighting situation. Um, but we're gonna hit it, we're gonna hit the the podcast streams once a week every Monday. Um, so it'll probably be out Tuesday mornings going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so far to date this year, let's talk about business because we're off to some year, right? We did right. a nice little post the other day. We've closed, I think it's twenty three deals for eighteen million so far and that was as of the end of march we've had closings already today's the fifth i think we've had three closings i think there's two today three closings already we had as of the end of march another 30 million under contract Mm -hmm. so despite this um insane tight market that makes it very difficult to do business we're figuring it out um and the, another thing that we're making a big push on is recruitment. We want we want to start picking people up. So that's a new thing. So we have to organize our affairs there. Well, I think you identified, you said it before, there's more licensed real estate agents than listings. And mm-hmm. I think we've identified a nice like niche spot in the market where there's agents who are licensed, who are want to work, who want to do it, and they just can't get going. And I think we've proven that with a lot of guys on our team is that we can then help those agents go from what whatever it is zero one two three four five six seven deals a year up to you know building a sustainable business where they're doing double digit deals every year and growing. Yeah, well, ninety nine point nine percent of real estate agents get their license. They walk into a real estate brokerage, right? Mm-hmm. They walk into the real estate brokerage and they expect that brokerage to provide them with business. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, uh, you know, they think they're getting a job at that point. What most people don't understand is that this is an entrepreneurial job. And unless you are working under a team, which even in most cases, a lot of teams just take you onto the team and just send you to open houses. But there is nothing more beneficial as a young real estate agent to join a team that's going to teach you how to hunt mm-hmm. uh, is going to teach you systems, processes, and let you get in there and do it. So in your opinion, I want to hear what you think. What is the benefit of walking into a regular real estate office versus 
joining a team like ours and why, what is the value proposition that somebody brand new to this, this industry would want to get into uh, the industry working for a team like ours? So I'll, I'll start with, I don't think there's really any team like ours. I think most teams are not going to help a new agent like we do. Maybe there are some. Um, that basically, there's no benefit to walking in to an office. They're not going to help you get going. They're not going to, they're going to provide really no value, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Uh, the benefit to joining a team like ours is, is two things. One is it's just the energy and the morale you come to work with a team like ours, and every day the team is there. There's people working, um, you know, prospecting, conducting business. So you have that that environment where you feel like you're being productive. You have the energy, the morale. But two is we'll teach you, like you said, how to prospect, how to build a business. You have your license, great. Now you have to build a business. Here is how you build that business. Here is how you prospect. Here is how you take the leads you've prospected, and and you put them into a database and here's how you follow up with them. And then here's how you talk to them. Here's what you say when they give you this objection. Here's how to handle it. Right. So it's mm-hmm. all of that. It's, it's, there's so many different aspects of being able to put that biz, put it all together to create a successful business. Yep. Yep. And we provide that. And really I haven't seen another team or brokerage that provides that. I haven't. No. And I, I've actually spent time with some, some really high end and high level, team leaders and no one no one not even close they don't have the time they haven't figured out a way to remove themselves from production and give their time to new people which is really what we do in a, in a very high level but well other is, than time if i can so th- it's not they don't, they don't have the time yes but a lot of a lot of brokerages are owned by uh old older school brokers and agents mm-hmm. and a lot of successful teams are again older generation team leaders mm-hmm. right so they built this business in a time when it was totally different mm-hmm. when there was no internet buyers were coming to you and and they built the business up we're one of the few teams that that is young and successful and mm-hmm. we've had to build the business in today's world mm-hmm. so we know how to do it i think a lot of teams and, and brokers just don't know how to do it because they didn't have to Right. And they've already got success. And now they're just running off their network, which is fine. Because once you've been doing it for 20, 30 years, you could do it just based off your network and referral business. But they don't know how to teach a new agent to get started. They're, they're literally they're like, go on social media, post on social media, talk to your friends and family. All right, that's great. You do a couple deals, but you're not going to. No, you're not going to create a sustainable, repeatable, predictable business right. that makes you comfortable being a real estate agent. In today's world. Right. And we've built that business in today's world and we can then show peop- other people how to do it too. Which I think that's the main. Which we are very, very excited to do. Mm-hmm. Well, we're on the hour mark. So we're going to cut it here. But uh, that's it, man. We're back. This is the Passion Lands. A lot of team at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. Our number to get in touch with us is 516-888-9711. Our, info, our, our email is info at pl-team.com. Mike, got anything to say before we cut it out? Feels good to be back. Feels good to be back. All right. Talk to you later next time.